CBCC episode 70, my realization of the day. I had to watch this movie in four parts on YouTube, and part three was missing. Don't worry, I did find it. But this is uh, the kind of deep analysis you're going to get from this episode. Is this entry so forgettable that even Shudder forgot to add it to their catalog? I don't know. We shall see. Let's get to the episode and find out. Hello, hello. It is your boy Devon Taylor here, and welcome to the Bloy Blunt Cinema Club, a podcast very high on horror movies. Um, I am one of your hosts. My other host is sitting across from me, Mr. Garrett McDowell. Hello, hello. You were talking about watching this movie on YouTube, and you know, I usually try and find my like the best possible version that I can, whether it means renting it or whatever. But yeah, I had to search high and low for the movie that we're talking about today. Thankfully, found the entire version on YouTube, uh, but it was so pixelated that I read later, fun fact, that all of the women that you see on the poster for this movie, none of them are characters in this film. I did notice that. And I was like, honestly, couldn't tell you because I watched this movie at about 360p. So they all just kind (laughs) of look like Minecraft characters to me. So yeah, that's news to me. But (laughs) I found a a version of it. Uh, We're talking Slumber Party Massacre 3 in case you (laughs) didn't look at the title of the episode you clicked on. And um, we are trucking through the franchise and... Yeah, it, I I found a full version. So I, and that was at low res. Yeah, it, it, I mean it said 1080 on YouTube, but it never caught up to 1080. So I had to watch part three. Dang. In in like the low res, but then the other ones were at least like 720. It looked like VHS quality at least. Yeah. Um, and I mean it kind of adds to uh part of the experience of it. Sure. Um, sure. Because uh, we had to do the same thing with Abby, you know, not too long ago. <laughs> Um, something about the the ones um, there's a there's an episode in the in, in the fabled BBCC vault Ooh. Um, which I, I I think I'm starting to formulate a game plan on when some of these episodes will come out yeah. but uh, one of the episodes we um, covered Alucarda and that one was another one we also had to watch on yeah. YouTube if I'm being honest <laughs> you know about about 360p or 480p whatever p you decided to watch this movie on I I think that this kind of deserved it in a way so <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that more but yeah didn't really feel like I was missing a lot of nice vistas and shots in you this know, movie you know you know it's interesting um this one I you know had pretty low expectations going in but it did. It surprised me. Um, I found myself pretty invested in the second half. Um, but before we dive into the movie itself, we are covering um, these movies because it is Women's History Month. Um, all of them are directed by female directors, and um, since we um, haven't had as much of a chance to like talk, kind of you know, some more individuals and stuff, and and mm-hmm. we're and we are gonna in a in a. Um, in the the special episode that we'll have here in a couple weeks, um, we'll kind of get into more women's history things. Mm-hmm. But for um for now, before we hop in, I want to ask you, 
Um, what female director would you want to see tackle a horror movie, whether they have or have not already? So one that kind of immediately came to mind, uh, and it's a movie that came out last year, and it was the feature mm-hmm. film debut uh, of Miss uh, uh, Emma Selgman. Uh, who directed Shiva Baby, which so in its good. own way is kind of a horror movie if you have like social anxiety and you're around people in awkward situations and you don't quite know what to say and you have to deal with family members and talk about kind of awkward, weird things. It is a horror movie in a different sense, but I would love to see her. If this is what she gets from taking horror at like a very glancing kind of blow, I would love to see her tackle it head on because this movie made me very uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, a big fan of Shiva Baby. Um, if you guys listen to the Best of 2021 episodes, mm-hmm. um, it definitely gets love in both of them um it was in my top five uh, yeah. for the for the year but um i only mentioned it in in um the best of 2021 because i did come to a conclusion i was like would i call shiva baby a horror movie no it's not but it's filmed like one yeah like the especially yeah. the editing like the editing is really filmed like a horror movie yeah. Like uh, kind of similar to like Black Swan almost like sure. um, that kind of vibe. But the movie is very much not a horror movie. Um, so, yeah, I am a 100 percent in because that's the way I sell that movie. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, it's this, you know, it's this comedy drama dramedy, mm-hmm. but it's presented like a horror movie through like social anxiety. Um, I call this subgenre like social cringe horror. Yeah. Um, I would say Shiva Baby would be like a candidate for um, for like an almost horror yeah, episode. We were, um, we I, were uh, talking about maybe doing something like that. And I think this is like, I can't really point to one that's more that yeah, than this. You yeah, know? like this one. Is, yeah, it's very close. So um, I, I definitely would love to see her tackle a like full on through and through horror movie. For sure. And that's kind of where I'm going with my pick because this director, um, her films are very bleak and um, kind of haunting mm-hmm. um, in certain ways. But would I call any of them? Actually, um, so I, I would say Lynn Ramsey. Yes. I picked Lynn, Lynn Ramsey, one, just because I want more movies from her in general. She is As we all do. literally fantastic, uh, such a talented director. Um, she is primarily known for We Need to Talk About Kevin, which that one I can definitely make an argument as a horror movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I mean, it's not very scary, um, but it's very um, disturbing in yes. many ways throughout. And especially when you get to like the end of the film. Yeah. You know, um, sorry, mild spoiler for if you have not seen We Need to Talk About Kevin, but it's kind of an older movie. It includes a, a school massacre. So yeah. I would just for that fact alone, I would include it. But I can see a lot of people that would say um, that maybe it's not a horror movie. Um, I haven't seen Ratcatcher from her. Um, but you were never really here is another almost horror that yeah. like um, I love that film so much it came so out great. in 2017. Yep. Um, the way that she presents um, PTSD of this character and using violence to empathize with this character, mm-hmm. like in the way that he the way that he employs violence to like kind of help himself. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost therapeutic in a way. The things that he does. Um, and it's, and it's interesting. It's a, it's a fantastic film. Um, so yeah, I would love to see Lynn Ramsey like hop into again, like more of a outright through and through horror movie. Yeah. Um, I think she could maybe do like a 
really bleak take on Frankenstein. Um, her films have like a have this um, dark tenderness to them, mm-hmm. and I think uh, she could like pull something like that off. Or if Lee Winnell hadn't already done Invisible Man, I think she would have been a great candidate to take that one as well. Well, I was going to bring that up because you know for a while Universal seemed like they were kind of wanting to take a real crack at their uh, their kind of Universal monster library and then they started with like I Frankenstein and then you know like Dracula Untold and uh, all these like absolute dog shit movies and then you have something like The Invisible Man come out uh, and it really seems like they're now wanting to take more of a filmmaker approach you know there's some news about the Wolfman and what that's eventually oh, yeah, yeah. going to be like so yeah I don't think that that's a, a bad candidate and uh, I absolutely love like the Boris Har- uh, Boris Karloff Frankenstein so yeah somebody like Lim Ramsey who does have this uh, kind of bleak sensibility to them but also such a sense of soul and tells these story about these like troubled people and and you know it's that's the kind of cliche with frankenstein it's like well who's the real monster but i i think that she would be able to uh, tackle that issue in a way that was poetic and soulful but also like kind of really dark and upsetting in a way but she's made two of like the greatest films in my opinion of the 2010s Mm -hmm. so i yeah kind of again she could make a movie about literally anything and i'd be i'd be interested to see it let alone something like frankenstein yeah, and, and also interesting because, I mean, Frankenstein, written by Mary Shelley, you know, mm-hmm. written by a woman, we haven't really seen too many the female directors. The first woman in horror, one yeah. might say. <laughs> yeah, and so it's like, it's interesting that we haven't really seen uh, too many, with as many Frankenstein iterations yeah. that we had, that we haven't had um, many, if any, I don't know, um, yeah. directed by women. So, yeah, be uh, super, super interesting. Um, but we will talk more about female directors um, and such like that in a couple weeks. But for now, let's go ahead and get to the third movie of this trilogy. <laughs> Slumber Party Massacre 3, released September 7th, 1990, directed by Sally Mattinson, written by Catherine Kieran. And we have uh, Jamie Sharif on the score, first uh, female composer of the series. Um, I the the films, you know, unlike I mean, I'd say you know it's kind of fifty fifty with franchises whether or not the creative teams kind of stick together yeah. through and through. Um, and the creative teams are all very different for each film um, within this franchise. But it's cool because it does still give more um, female creatives um, an opportunity to take and crack at the series. This one had a $350,000 budget, pulled in $1.2 million, about the same as all the other ones. Mm-hmm. This one was actually supposed to be a standalone film titled Stab in the Dark, but was repurposed to be a slumber party massacre movie yes which i find very interesting there's um a lot more to this movie than i thought there was people don't seem to talk about this one but i was like there's still quite a bit going on in this film um so i'll say that's an understatement (laughs) that's an understatement so uh let's see how much of this we can fit into 60 seconds Oh man, I, For didn't our even, synopsis. I totally forgot about that. Oh, oh no. good. <laughs> good. He's unprepared, folks. Now we get a true on the fly. <laughs> uh, you ready? I'm I'm ready. Ugh. All right. In three, two, one, hit it. 
So as always with the Slumber Party Massacre films, we got a group of gals. They're hanging out on the beach playing volleyballs, but this time there's not just the gals there. There's the guys too. That's right. We've got a we've got a, a, a non-gender specific party going on at the beach. There's a creepy couple of guys looming around the beach. Which one of them may be stalking the girls as we know uh, will eventually befall them when they have their eventual slumber party, the titular slumber party in the evening. Even some of the guys are invited to the slumber party. Seconds. So we've got a lot of different people attending the slumber party. Some are women, some are men. You've also got the guys who are crashing the party as per usual, but there's a killer on the loose. Some bodies start turning up, but who could it be? There's a bit of a mystery angle to this one as opposed to the others, which are kind of obvious who it is. This one, who is the killer? Could it be one of the creepy guys we met earlier or this really tall looking motherfucker we meet in this movie? Or could it be one of the handsome boyfriends who's now again wielding a drill, but also some other tools that we see him use in this movie? That's all I got. You, you fit quite a bit in. Um. Uh, there's not much to talk about in this movie in regards to like the plot. It's 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 slumber party massacre. Like it's kind of the same thing, you know. It doesn't have the rockabilly, r- rocky horror, you know, musical uh, aspect of the of the um, original with or the second uh, film. And the original has this kind of you know Halloween kind of quasi remake mm-hmm. kind of situation where this, it's just like, yeah, we'll just do one, another one of those. I reckon. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so this will be, this could be an interesting episode. Cause I can already tell. I like this one quite a bit more than you. Um, I might even like this more than the first one. Outrageous. Maybe. Outrageous. Maybe. I, th- I think this is a series. If we're, we'll probably get into it later, but I think that this is a series that steadily decline, declines in, in quality as each film goes along, which isn't, I feel like isn't saying that much because the original is is enjoyable in its own way, but it's it's not like some of the other slashers to where the first entry is like such a you know a, a benchmark. And yeah, horror, it's not like know. they yeah kicked it off on like such a high note to where yeah. it was like kind of hard to pass that up. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I mean, we'll we'll get to the rankings next episode after we uh, yes. watch the yes, cover the I'm remake. I'm very interested to see. Yes, uh, apparently it's real good. Apparently it's a banger. But Looking forward to it. So for for this one, you know. Uh, you said you know the second one had the the rockabilly horror musical angle to mm-hmm. it, um, but this is the Jalo entry into into the series okay. um, a little more than because like I mean this one we have the the who done it angle uh, um, because I, I mean see. the the other ones we know who the killer is out the gate like mm-hmm. we already know who it is um, and you know they are just guys. And this one does kind of do with a whodunit. I thought they, you know, the way that they introduced the the uh, the beach weirdo, as he's credited, no yes. name. Um, he's in all black, and he's just like walk on the beach, and he sits down on the beach and watches them. So it's like yeah. at first I was like, okay, so this is the guy that we got to work with. Like, okay, but then once they start doing all these other red herring stuff, yeah, and then all the kills are, you know, we don't see who the killer is. You know, exactly. we see we see zoom ins on the hands, like a Jalo movie. He's wearing gloves a few times, like a Jalo movie. Um, so it's, the it- the dramatic lighting, <laughs> there's there's um. A lot of Jalo DNA in this one that mm. I appreciate, and especially when we do get the, the third act reveal of what's really going on. Not gonna lie, I was thrown for a bit of a loop. I was like, oh, okay, this is what we're doing, and that the reveal is contention for this film, for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I don't know. I, I found it a little bit interesting. Yeah, I think uh, any for my kind of opinion, any kind of horror influences that, that this movie has are 
probably kind of happenstance or they kind of seemingly stumbled in on them. I don't think any of the uh, allusions or references or inspirations from other horror movies are quite on the nose enough to where you're like really like I feel like I'm like sipping a wine here and I'm like really like okay we got notes of we got notes of notes of like chestnut in here but then also there's like kind of the, I don't know anything about wine uh, horror is the only thing I'm qualified to talk about uh, but I will say that uh, the director of this film uh, Sally Mattinson was not interested in horror and it was like not a horror fan and the only reason that she really made this movie is because she was had the opportunity to make a feature film and so she was like what genre is it okay fine whatever and I think it's very evident that stylistically and from a horror angle this film doesn't really have any defining features or is very successful stylistically on delivering like an effective horror movie apart from a few kills in this movie there's a couple kills that I think are some of the better ones in the series Uh, oh yeah but I think because you have a film that wasn't initially conceded to be a slumber party massacre movie and this filmmaker who didn't seem like they really had the passion behind it what i think is you get is kind of this kit bash like uh melding kind of brundle fly of a film that wasn't intended to be uh this mixed with some tropes and some even plot points from prior films and then it's all mashed together with with this mystery and this reveal that is convoluted and complicated and doesn't make a lot of sense it's it this is it's kind of just a hot mess in my opinion mm-hmm. i mean I like the idea in theory of, you know, being able to take a franchise and it's like, you know, it has such a basic, um, you know, structure to it and idea that you can kind of... They're not complicated movies. That you can put these different ideas on them. You know, Slum Party Massacre, but it's a horror musical. Slum Party Massacre, but it's a Jalo movie. In theory, this, you know, is is an interesting premise, but, you know, it doesn't exactly work out. Um, Apparently, Hellraiser is notorious for this. Apparently, like, half the... Like, over half of the sequels are conceived in that way. They were scripts for another movie but then the studio got a hold of the script and said oh we'll let you make this movie but you gotta throw the Cenobites in there now now it's a Hellraiser movie and so which is a shame because we had talked about it last week with the second movie I'm like this is such a complete like diversion of what the original is not necessarily in plot but in style and in influences and tone the second one is like completely bonkers and different so I was very interested to see it's like well if this is number two I can't wait to see what number three is and it's kind of disappointing to just be like oh they just kind of went back to basics you know in a way which is just like oh man like I, you really had some momentum going there yeah i mean yeah they went back to basics but i think they for me they still made enough changes and added some new things in whether it be you know the killer uses some different weapons in this one yes um, you know we which get cool. a range of weapons in the kills uh, again with the way that they reveal the killer and his motivations which we'll get to that here in a bit but, yeah yeah um you know i feel like they still did enough to where like i didn't come in and like feel bored by it at all mm-hmm. um again like i kind of at first like in the first like 20 minutes i thought like okay we are just gonna kind of get around the mill but once it yeah. picks up steam it really you know gets pretty fun in the back half of it you know with these set pieces um you know between the boys fighting in the warehouse and then the three girls teaming up against the killer at the end. And like, yeah. you know, we, just, you know, once, and, and, and even if she, you know, was not wanting to do a horror movie, 
and saw this as an opportunity just to make a film, which I mean, don't blame you. Um, yeah. you know, it, no, it's, a, it's an totally entryway in yeah. making movies is hard, but at the same time, like, um, I didn't feel like she like completely phoned it in. Cause again, in the second half, we start getting a little more style. Um, like there was a, there's a scene that threw me for a loop whenever, um, we get a really fun, like kind of whodunit scene where, mm-hmm they all kind of meet in the middle and they're trying to put the pieces you know, like, okay, well what else is weird is happening tonight? What have you seen? They're like yeah. kind of going back and forth and the camera's like whipping around. Yeah. And I was like, Ooh, where's this? Where's this sure. been? You yeah. know? So it's like, I, um, I see flashes of brilliance. Uh, okay. I'll use brilliance <laughs> lightly, but for, they got above average <laughs> on the SAT. Let's maybe say that. Yeah. But, but for <laughs> phrasing, um, I saw flashes of brilliance throughout, yes. Yes. um, it, you know, to, still pepper in more on top of the you know basic um blueprint yeah i think when i when i step back from this trilogy and have a bit more distance on it i think the thing that'll make me stand out you know in this movie are the are the kills because predominantly in this series it's mostly been like drill kills where with this we do get like a variation in some of the 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 modes of, of death here you know there's a couple of kills in this like i said that are like my favorite in the series so i think that that's a nice angle i wish i could say that the mystery angle would be something um that distinguishes itself and i really remember uh, really remember that but i just found the reveal so disappointing on multiple fronts because not only is like the reveal itself not that interesting but the way that it's revealed is not as interesting it's not like scream like we had recently talked about to where there's this build up throughout the entire movie mm-hmm. and then this kind of crescendo and the scooby doo kind of reveal here it's mm-hmm. just kind of revealed it's just like oh this who's the killer it's this guy and then we're kind of watching these not terribly intelligent you know d- you know uh, uh, uh characters with multiple dimensions here to like try to piece it together themselves where we as an audience were like yeah it's that guy you know i i i wish there was a bit more trying to piece it together and oh you were in this room at this time and you could have done this a bit more like distrust like we do see in the scream franchise but with this it's just kind of like we're like okay who's the killer because it could be these weird guys oh it's that guy okay like we don't really get enough time to kind of figure it out which is something that i think this movie is it's interesting that um, there's a, a sequence in this later on, which we'll talk about, that was seemingly only added in there um, to kind of pad the runtime. And I, I which I think is kind of funny because it's like you guys have two movies that you're mushing together. You think that there would be too much like <laughs> that you're having to like cut right. out, but you're having to add an entire like 10 minute sequence and the movie is still only like 80 minutes long. <laughs> this is the longest of it the is, three. Is, um, yes, not yeah. by much. You know, none of these movies come in over. I think this one's like um 87 minutes with credits so about 82 minutes yeah yeah. um all of the other the other ones are don't even make it to 80 minutes so still still barely um a a little bit more of a movie yeah um i mean with the i i mean i guess like the only other person i thought that the killer could have been was duncan because i was like I, i was like the the neighbor across the street and uh, beach weirdo were a little too on the nose over yeah. the top, like of yeah. being like, you know, who is this like guy or not? So like, yeah, you know. But then it, it did like it, it it surprised me when they when they revealed it, sure, who the killer was. I thought they were gonna hold out a little bit more, yeah. But then when Ken was like, okay, we're gonna go to the cops, me and um, me and homeboy, and then yeah. and then he um, 
goes, hey, let's go into this warehouse to go grab some, some tools. Bl- to, I was like, yeah. why are you taking this detour right now when you're on your way to the cop? And I was like, oh, oh Ken's yeah, the fucking yeah. killer. No, it, it's funny. <laughs> this movie does throw a lot of red herrings at you. Uh, the creepy neighbor that you were talking about, Morgan, is is one of them. He's just this incredibly tall, bizarre looking man. What is this is man like doing? Peering through uh, a telescope across the, uh, the, the street there. And he's also reading like a magazine or a book about anatomy. And it's literally just like you might have had, you might as well just have like suspect like written on his wall. You know, it's like that's literally the only reason he's in this movie. Doesn't really get mentioned or he come back up again. So strange. <laughs> but hey, he, he is the one. I mean, I don't like the way that they did because he is the one that calls the cops at the end for mm. the cops to get sent over. Which is an interesting touch because the cops are immediately like, mm, yeah, sure. Okay, we'll send the squad yeah. car right away, which oh, well, I think is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, a man's calling us. Yeah, totally. Yeah, we're totally. Yeah. I mean, even though I love that the that white cop did get called out by the black cop and go, hey, what yeah. if, you know, it's not a joke and, <laughs> you know, someone is yeah. does actually narrow help and he goes, well, you want to ruin my night? And he's like, hey, I'm just saying, man. Like, I'm like, yeah, he's got a good point. Yeah, I, I want to see this cop, like, go home and he's just, like, just staying up all night, just concerned and thinking about this and thinking of all the other prior calls that he hasn't gone to. I, if, if this doesn't get his attention, I want to know what does. Like, what I mean, are the calls I, that he does get? I mean, I definitely think it's gonna. He's gonna show up. I mean, because, you know, the movie ends with yeah. them answering the door to the cops and if it's him then yeah he's gonna go in and see this massacre yeah. and yeah. be like damn yeah i fucked up a cab is all i'm saying that's all i'm saying <laughs> yeah so, um but enough about the the boys let's talk about the girls yeah um we gotta talk about our friend group and um intri- intrigued to see how you think they stack up against the group of gals um from the previous films um our main girl is jackie in this one but um we have a bigger cast than usual we have six girls Mm -hmm. and then plus the three dudes um plus ken also yeah um lots of lots of friends in this one yeah i um as as happens with this uh with this series you just have these group of girls who are kind of seemingly you know, uh, maybe like a little superficial, but when they actually start getting time together, they are t- drinking beer and snacking on food. And uh, with this, it's mostly dessert stuff. It seems I uh, love that less thought, cheese whiz and more like sugary kind it, of stuff. It reminds me of uh, it reminds me of my D and D group because it's yeah. literally always when she goes, "Did anyone bring anything other than desserts?" <laughs> and it's like that's literally what always happens to yeah. us. And then we're playing for like four hours with like no exactly. actual like substance brownies food. and cookies. Oh, uh, yeah. dude, my my stomach the day after D and D night is not good yeah this series or this entry also um kind of keeps with the pattern that there are like former playmates uh in this i I believe hope marie carlton was like a playmate of the month Mm. or the year or whatever so yeah this is another uh, entry in the series that has had women and actors who are uh you know women and models who used to be in playboy but now are trying to assert themselves as actors so they don't want to be like naked on camera which i think i i can just imagine the producers like see this as like okay we're gonna hire all these women who maybe like mm-hmm. pose for a playboy they're absolutely gonna like want to take their tops off and all of these actresses are like no dude like no, we really <laughs> I, I love that not. yeah i love that about this series and if you read like uh interviews or watch interviews that seems to be the the kind of trend that these women are like i don't want to be typecast as just this girl who just gets in front of the camera and takes her top yeah off, the, the producers are like jackpot these exactly. girls <laughs> these girls get undressed for a living of yeah. course they're gonna be naked in yeah. our movie um it, which is yeah a, a nice like kind of um 
flex back against the producers. Yeah. Um, these girls are not in a band or on a sports team together. Uh, one of them is on the volleyball team, but the other ones are not. Yeah. Um, so these are just a group of gals. They're, they're just, these are, they're just hanging out. Yeah. Um, I love the, the, even though I, I do love that, um, you know, we open up with them playing volleyball on the beach and then the volleyball net comes back into play. It does. Later in the movie. Um, I like that there are many Chekhov's guns in this movie that do come back around. Yeah. I was like, oh, Chekhov's swordfish. Oh, Chekhov's harpoon gun. <laughs> uh, but, you know, so I, I like that we do yeah. get a lot of that. But yeah. um, these girls, again, in the first 20 minutes, I was like, okay, these girls are going to kind of be a little bit lame like mm-hmm. in this movie and and I didn't think I, I just didn't think they were going to get the attention that the previous films did, and they do. Like they, yeah. And it, this is again very formulaic. Um, you know, I think literally all three of the movies have the girls sit around talking that evolves into dance party. Yeah, and then the guys play and a prank the and sneak in. It's I kind mean, of the yeah, whole thing. yeah, it's definitely, and that felt like. It was like, okay, that probably, this was probably not in the original script and was yeah. like added in to make it a slumber party mask. Exactly. Movie. Yeah. Um, but as it went on, I did enjoy the dynamic between the girls and the group. Like, you know, like once they kind of start getting paired off. Yeah. Whether it be with um, one of the other friends or whether it be with one of the boys. Um, and we do get them, you know, once we start getting that going. Then I was like, oh, okay, these girls are also really cool and like they all have something about them. And even the um the dance scene again for this one is, you know, filmed in such a way that again you can kinda this is where it's like the the benefit of having a female director is like, yeah, they're having this like little dance uh they're they're having a dance party while playing Truth or Dare. Yeah. And one of them dares them to do a strip tease. And it's interesting because, like, she, you know, is kind of, it seems a little uncomfortable, but is, like, and not uncomfortable in, like, a, in a bad way, but in just, Mm -hmm. like, oh, kind of shyish way. And then as it goes on, the other girl, like, stands up to do it with her, uh, to do it with Maria. And then so it's both of them doing the striptease, like, kind of supporting each other. And the girls are also just, like, laughing and cheering them on and stuff. And, like, felt like very, like, camaraderie that was, like, <laughs> you know, like, they're, they're not, you know, it's and it didn't feel like this scene was, you know, just played for sleaze of being a striptease. It still felt like, oh, it has another purpose of, like, these girls are, like, no, I, I support you being sexy and silly, yes. you know, and it, it, and it felt more that way. And in this scene, we have uh, Maria Ford, who's doing one of the one of the, the stripteases here, and she was kind of like a, a scream queen back in the day. Uh, she plays Maria. And I got to say, some of the biggest hair I've ever seen. Oh, that wig, like, though, is... She's, she's got, like, this... Bon jo- uh, John Bon Jovi situation going on. She's looking like Mufasa up there. It is no. She it looks like uh, she looks like David Bowie in in, uh, <laughs> in Labyrinth. Labyrinth. Yeah, she has got some <laughs> enormous hair. Uh, so yeah, it was it was uh, quite the sight to see. I was like, I I couldn't look away. That was like what I was staring at. I was like, look at the size of that hair. Like it is it is some true '80s hair. But yeah, it is distinct that this movie has the quality because we've talked about this weird kind of habit that the series has of, of featuring nudity, but not being very sexual. Like the first movie in particular, there's not a lot of nudity that is associated with like sexual acts. It's like women showering or changing. And it's just like doing mm-hmm. things that humans do. Yeah. And then in the second one, um, it's kind of a, a similar situation. 
Uh, and then in this one, it does get very overtly sexual in a way, even though the striptease thing isn't, it is a dare and it's, it's kind of for fun. There is like some more sex scenes in this, in this, mm-hmm. uh, movie in particular. Uh, so yeah, it, it just kind of, it, it goes in a bit of a different direction. And then there's also some nudity later on in this movie. I'm not sure when you're maybe wanting to address this, but there's like a pretty intense, like sexual assault scene in this movie, which yeah. is like, there was one of my kind of, I was like, okay, wow. Like I'm, I, you know, I'm fine with movies portraying like uncomfortable things or things that doesn't make as an audience uncomfortable. But when you watch these movies, they're like, they're about as bad for you as the food is. They're like kind of the cheese whiz equivalent of like a slasher movie where it's just like, it's just kind of silly junk food. And you just kind of, mm-hmm. I wasn't prepared for that. I was watching this movie and I was like, Oh God, like, <laughs> are we really going here with like this cheesy oh, 80s slasher movie? It, it gets real, and it's like really prolonged and everything. I was like, what a buzzkill, man. Like, this oh. is like really bringing the mood down. Yeah, this one goes into some darker territories, maybe a little less fun yeah. than the previous ones. Cause yeah, that scene definitely got me too, especially, you know, after they kind of set it up where I had it in my notes. I was giving Ken credit yeah. during the the first sex scene when he him and Juliet sleep together, and like this is where I mean, and he can't he can't get it up. Is, so is that, is that what you're talking about? Yeah, he, they, <laughs> his I drill mean, bit's not working. <laughs> his drill bit does not fit. Um, uh, something's not. Yeah, he's having a little malfunction. And but I appreciate that. Like he, he like you know couldn't get up, and then she like says like, hey, no, it's all good. Like yeah. just you know go down on me. You can still make me happy. <laughs> and he does. He goes, yeah, no, you're right. And then he like takes it like a champ. He doesn't yeah, do like the he doesn't do the usual of like yeah. guys in a movie like they can't get them. They get like mad and angry, you yeah. know. And like he doesn't. And I was like, good for you, Ken. So yeah. uh, and then like afterwards, once Juliet was killed, like he was like all distraught and stuff. I was like, yeah, I was like, usually you don't see like somebody like usually in a slasher, somebody gets killed and yeah. the person like moves on instantly. But like so like I was giving Ken quite credit throughout. And then once the reveal yeah. and I was like, oh, of course, sure. um, which before we get to Ken more, I, I do want to say, what do you want? Um, what do you think about the boys in this one? Um, not as shitty as the guys in two. Yeah. Um, I, they they kind of fall in the middle for me because like yeah as you said they're not as shitty as the guys in two but they're not as kind of endearing as the guys in one are mm-hmm. I mean most of these guys are, are are dick bags let's be clear but the guys in one at least have some redeeming moments to where they're like no let's go get the killer ourselves and they like try to take them on head on to like save the girls where a lot of the guys in this are just kind of forgettable uh, one of them is wearing a Freddy Krueger mask which I think is funny uh, when they like all like kind of uh, uh, prank the girls mm-hmm. um, but yeah they're all just like they're just kind of nothing guys. Uh, I did like Michael. Uh, Michael was kind of cool, but uh, he's like the black guy that gets killed immediately because of of course he does, which is unfortunate. Yeah. I was kinda, I was like, oh, I like Michael. I was kind of hoping for a little bit more Michael. I will say, though. Great kill when he goes out. Oh. He gets stabbed with a for sale sign, which I was like, all right, that's that's a really good move. Right. there." Yeah, I was like, I was like. Because, yeah, that, that is one knock against this movie. Uh, the series, really, is there's it's very white. There's yeah. Not, yeah. not really much color in general. Sure. Um, and, yeah, he gets killed second. Yeah. Um, he is one of the hottest me- cast members. Like, man, him in the in the beach scene. Oh, I was yeah. like, God damn. I know. He's going and, up there for the spike. Oh, yeah. and um, But, yeah, he gets killed second. But I thought he was kind of the, one of the doofier of the guys, like, whenever. Because, like, whenever... They are planning to go crash, you know, yeah, like, yeah. and, you know, Frank is like, no, nah, like Frank is trying to talk him out of it. Um, Frank is interesting. Frank is like the first male character that actually has like somewhat of an arc. 
in any of these movies. Like yeah. he's uh, he's actually got some layers to him. Like he's supposed to be the cool guy, but yeah. like he definitely has like real feelings for Jackie. Mm-hmm. And like they kind of have this back and forth going on. Like, okay, well, if you do care, then show me. And then like, uh, yeah. So it's a back and forth of him being cool, but then also like being endearing and like sure. You know, he's the one that after they do crash and really piss the girls off as they should have been. Yeah. He was like, okay, let, you know, let's make it up to him. Let's go get him some flowers, get him some candy. Let's apologize. Or and you like, could just, I don't know, or, leave. Or you could also leave. Okay. <laughs> just get the fuck out of here, See, man. There, there's, there's the man in me coming out of being like, oh, yeah, at least they were apologizing. No, no they, they also could just yeah, left. <laughs> I think there's a general kind of, uh, you know, pattern in this series. They're all just kind of these plastic kind of husks of characters that are just like they're they're there to be killed and i think uh, that's like epitomized by the fact that the main the main guy or the the killer his name is ken like ken doll <laughs> like he's yeah. just this very like classically handsome guy who's just like this kind of nothing person and it uh, turns out his name is the same as an absolute as, as a toy as an actual you know <laughs> hunk of plastic <laughs> and and speaking of names has there ever been a Duncan in a movie that's not a little shit? I like, I feel like that is the go-to just, like, little shit name. It, it makes me think of Duncan Idaho from Dune, if you saw that, which is, no. like, the same name as Hannah Montana. Somebody pointed that one out, which is absolutely hilarious. <laughs> that is actually <laughs> uh, I think that's the only Duncan I can think of. I'm sure there's other Duncans out there, other than Duncan Donuts, which I'm a big fan of. It's usually, like, a little brother name, and it's like, oh, Duncan, stop, you know? And you like, a, Are you a Krispy Kreme guy or a Duncan guy? Oh, Krispy Kreme. Krispy Kreme. Uh, <laughs> Duncan Donuts. You said that really emphatically. You're the the way he, he's emphasized cream was, was <laughs> quite cream. erotic. You're like, oh, Krispy Kreme. <laughs> mm. uh, Duncan definitely has, you know, better coffee. Um, yeah. But Krispy Kreme, on, as far as donuts. Those like, fresh donuts, you kidding the, me? They, the, the original glaze that feel like pillows in your mouth. Oh, like, my gosh, delicious. Oh, so good. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it, it, Duncan is such a little sleazeball. He literally hijacks the pizza yeah. from the pizza girl. Duncan is is such a dork. Yeah, that, that guy is... is he he has it coming, yeah. But you know, it's it's funny. He he does have it coming, and he's creepy. But then, like, once he is at the party, besides the one line he says to like one of the girls, when one of the girls is like, "Is everybody getting some but me?" and he goes, "Well, I'm available." Besides that one line, as soon as he gets in the party. He's not there for like being creepy and yeah. like for sex. He's just like hanging being out with one the of the gals. Yeah, like. well, it's, I think he's <laughs> he's in the beginning of the movie like playing volleyball and he sucks. And they're like, oh, Duncan. And yeah. like, so I think he's kind of set up for that. That he's kind of like he's like maybe trying to fit in with the, with the gals there and maybe yeah. not as much of a, a guy's guy, so to speak. Yeah, so I I did find that funny, but the the exchange between him and the pizza girl was really funny though, because he makes her turn around to yeah, get undressed. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. There's a, also a funny line from uh, uh from Duncan. Uh, Jackie says she says, "Oh my God, the basement! I forgot there's a window in there. Quick, give me that poker." And Diane uh, says, "Jackie, you're not going down there." And Duncan replies, "Besides, they're tongs," which is like <laughs> a, a very dorky line, uh, but it actually made me laugh a lot. So yeah, good good Duncan content in this. <laughs> protect duncan but uh yeah and and speaking of you know speaking of the weaponry and stuff and we'll kind of get into the kills um for this Mm -hmm. um you know we get some variety it's not just all drill kills in this one yes um some much needed variety i will add yes uh because you you already mentioned uh the for sale sign kill i mean that was pretty damn good he picks it up thrusts it in and like it's as he drags it away the sign is upright i was like 
was pretty good. He's, he's also I want to note the because the uh, the killer in this has like a mask. Like that's yeah. uh, he's got Again. like kind of a uniform. It is kind of derivative. He's got this like Alice, sweet Alice hey, thing going I told on. You, but Jallo. Hey, yeah, that, there, you go. Stuff. there you go. But yeah, everybody else is just kind of like, Ooh. like this is my, especially the guy in the first movie. He's just like, this is this is my clothes. Like this is this is what I wear. This guy in the second movie doesn't quite count because he's kind of a cartoon of a character. But I mean, like, yeah, he's got like a he's got like a uniform. Good for him. Yeah. Um. Again, we got it's that Jalo flavor up in there mm-hmm. uh, a little bit with the the mask. And I will say, um, you know, because we did mention that this film is more sexual than yeah. the other films i mean yeah the other films we you know in two we do get like you know all this talk about going all the way and like the right. I, you know being scared of sex and this one you know all the girls are wanting sex you know like they like it's like yeah they were upset that the boys crashed but now they're all like well the boys are here so like let's all fucking do our thing like yeah. you know uh that um juliet goes upstairs to fuck ken um uh, um Susie takes um other uh takes uh the other guy fuck too many names oh in this yeah but one. you know me with names but all i know is that there's a couple that goes down downstairs uh, uh, and Susie they, takes tom downstairs yes That's and they, they fuck adjacent to a swordfish which is uh yeah good 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 location for that i love how she like but that and again like she's the one that initiated she goes oh yeah her dad has a crazy swordfish downstairs you should yeah. you totally need to see it and then he's like okay and then they yeah. like, go downstairs to go fuck i was yeah. like i was like good on you Susie. They, for, the, there's <laughs> also a mention of uh uh, at the beach scene there's a mention of a diaphragm in this and i was like oh man i wish i could go back in like 1990 and just like pause the movie and just be like all right guys show of hands in this audience who knows what a diaphragm is and women you can't you can't say yes or no like I, i'm curious in 1990 how many guys watching this knew what a diaphragm is like very yeah it was like I, kind of progressive <laughs> i wonder if this that's um the the final girls reference for these movies um in the final girls whenever she's like Oh, what'd you bring for the trip? Oh, you know, the essentials. And she says, something, something, diaphragm. There you go. There I you go. I wonder if maybe it's a niche Slumber Party Massacre 3 there you um, go. thing, possibly. Yes. But um, at, but I wanted to mention uh, with the kills, though, the very first kill was whenever I was like, oh, this is going to be a little bit more sexual. Because even that very first kill, first kill, <laughs> that first kill feels very sexual. Like it feels more rapey, like in than, a car. Yeah, it feels more rapey than usual. Um, like the way that he's like holding um her hands, like you know her wrists like mm-hmm. crossed, and because like you know that's kind of something that like I mean I don't know about you, but like that's what you would do in in some sexy times if you're being rough or whatever. But yeah. Um, so it like was kind of framed in that way, but then like when he was like drilling, he was really pumping it in and out. Yeah, and it felt like rapier. So I was like, I also, I also just wanted to note though, yeah, because we we have talked about the the drill being like kind of a phallic weapon anyway, so that that, that is like pretty on the nose though. But I wanted to talk about what's that parking job she's got going on there? Like, <laughs> did she really think that that was a good idea? She sees this sign that says it's like parking five bucks, and it's just like under an overpass with nobody else around. I'm like, girl, your car is going to get broken into, you're going to get attacked, and guess what? She does. So yeah, all I'm saying is like, find some better parking. Lady. I mean, Come also, on. I mean, they were in. Venice too, and, and Venice parking is no joke. I, I you know, like yeah. you can't play around down there. Yeah, apparently they filmed this scene in like January, so it was like absolutely freezing, which I think is great. Yeah, in bikinis, <laughs> cold as hell. Yeah. These poor gals, but the producers like, yeah, let's get them hard nipples going. <laughs> if you're not gonna show them to us, 
<laughs> they punished them uh, to make them go outside and play volleyball for a pretty extended sequence too. Literally. Um, but yeah, um, we, we get some other, uh, fun ones. Um, again, the, um, the, the one that feels the most shallow is after Ken and Juliet fuck and she goes in and plugs in Jackie's vibrator. So one, she's thinking about using her friend's vibrator. Ew. Yeah. I feel like that's, I mean, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a gal, but if I was, I am not sharing vibrators with that. Yeah. I don't think that's something you can quite do like secondhand, you know? No. Um, but so she plugs it in before she takes a shower and then, you know, um, we just see a hand reach in take the vibrator and drop it in to uh, the bathtub, which I thought was fun. Which I think is interesting. The, the, so a couple of things about the whole vibrator thing. The whole sequence I really love because one, the kill, first and foremost, great kill. My favorite in the series thus far. Death by vibrator in a bathtub is like very distinct, very unique to this. I don't think I've ever really seen that in horror before. So that's a great kill. Second of all, I, it's like in another example that the series has of, of showing women be sexual and like that women are like men aren't the only people that think about sex because as we mentioned there's conversation of a diaphragm which is like like you know a, a prophylactic for women like that they use themselves and then you have a vibrator which is like yes mm-hmm. women masturbate and like yes women have dildos and there's there's multiple stories of like oh yeah what happened when you hung out with so-and-so that one time and yes. like you know going into details about it and stuff yeah. like yeah. um really really do love the openness that the the series does have yeah. Um, you know, because obviously in slashers, it's typically the yeah. other way around. And also, know, so. as you mentioned, some kind of lingus in this movie to where it's a guy's like, yeah, he, he can't get it up and he isn't able to like have sex in that moment. That doesn't mean that it's just over and they'll just wait till next time. She's like, no, you still have a job to do. You know, so I thought I did appreciate that about this movie is it is sexual. Yes, in general, but it's also sexual in a way that like. Is, is from more of a female perspective, which is what you would get when you have a, a, a filmmaker who has that sort of uh, perception and that that experience, you know? Yeah. I also like, um, I mean, it, so they'd never come back to this in the movie because I don't even know if it counts as a kill technically. But when Ken and Tom have their scuffle in the warehouse, you know, and this is where Ken reveals himself. Starts beating the shit out of Tom with a sledgehammer. And yeah. then they, they have a nice, like, extended little scuffle sequence. Um, and the, the guys were... There, there's a point where Ken, at, he, like, is running and then acts like his knee is, like, yeah. out. And he's yeah. like, oh, yeah, my knee. And then Tom goes, oh, yeah, no, I totally get it, man. And he's like, I got this thing with my Achilles that's, like, <laughs> messes with my ankles. Yeah. And then so when Ken kills him, he just cuts his feet off. Yeah, <laughs> which is a, a horrible, slow way to die, I can imagine. Just bleeding out through your ankles. I mean, like, yeah, I guess he God. is. That's what I was going to say. Like, I guess he <laughs> is going to bleed out because, like, he doesn't do anything else. Like, yeah, he bashed his head a few times. But, like, when yeah. Ken walks away, Tom is still very he's, much like, still alive. still crawling. But, and yeah. I thought, like, I was like, is, he, I was like, is Tom going to... Ar- I was like, if Tom Army crawls all the way back to the house or to the <laughs> cops and is the hero with no feet, oh, like, man. and we redeem this man, but no, he's, no. I imagine he is, yeah, definitely still no, dude, very dude, much dead. Dude's going to bleed out. Yeah, there's a couple of like weird kills in this movie. There's one, um, let me try to track down the, the young lady's name, but she <laughs> is uh, uh, escaping Ken. It's Janie, and she just like hurls herself through a window and just kills herself. Like, like she doesn't like fall from like an fall from like a, a height and like die you know on impact she just like jumps through a glass door and because of that she 
he's dead. Like, and I, that was that was really interesting to me. And a guy I believe gets killed by like just a whack on the head with the drill bit, not even like getting drilled, but just like he just kind of gets bonked. Yeah, on the head yeah, with Frank. It. Yeah, Frank just gets bonked. Like, because yeah. when Ken shows back up at the house and reveals to everyone else that he's the killer, and he's like yeah. going crazy. Um, and there's like a scuffle in the house, a few, the, a few scuffles. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Frank just gets bonked on the head. Yeah, deadly um, bonk. And it, yeah, with Janine, um, it, it sucks because one of my favorite random things in horror movies is people hurling themselves out of windows. I love that. But to survive when they yes. willingly do it to survive because like that's their only option. I love that. Have we talked about that recently? Maybe we have. Well, I don't know because I also, <laughs> my sister's a, a huge horror fan and I was watching something. I don't even remember what it was, but I, I, was, I just watched it and I messaged her. That's funny that you mentioned that because I said the same thing. I was like, one of my favorite tropes in horror is when somebody's trying trying to survive and they willingly just throw yes. themselves out of a window. A great one is in hereditary where the, the son like does that. Cause he sees his mom like cutting her mm-hmm. own head off and he's just like, absolutely not. And just like totally just eats out the window. Love stuff like that. But this one, it's a deadly, yeah, it's a yeah. deadly jumping, the, which is unfortunate. See, This is see. why we're co-hosts though. <laughs> our, our minds are melding exactly. because I don't think we've had this conversation, but it literally, I've been working on a letterbox list. Oh, it's like jumping specifically out of for this. Um, I got a shout out. OG, uh, Sally, she does it twice. She goes, yes. she, she hurls herself out the window, not once, but twice. Um, yeah. So I do always appreciate that. I'm waiting to see. I wonder <laughs> if we've seen it in horror where somebody like tries to do it and they like don't quite get all the way through. Like, cause the glass is pretty strong and to like throw yourself through, through glass, maybe like a screen door or something like that. Totally feasible. But I'd be curious to see somebody like tries to do it and just completely like bounce back. Maybe one day, maybe one day we'll see that. Or somebody who gets like halfway through mm-hmm. and their arm is like hanging out of the glass. Like that would be a very uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> like because they hit the glass and just get like stuck on like a giant yeah. shard on yeah. the way their out. shoulder kind of gets through but not the rest of their body i'd be curious to see that but yes we do see like a death by that you know mm-hmm. and I, I was a little i was a little bummed by that i, I wanted to see a little bit more especially because this movie does have some great kills like as we said the for sale sign death by dildo which is one of the best in this series didn't think i'd be able to to say that one but great kills in this but some also not as much yeah and then so um i will say the that um we get the most satisfying death of the killer in this one. Oh yeah. With Jackie just going ham on him with the drill yeah. at the end. Yes. So, so with this third act, I thought the third act was a lot of fun. Like once Ken gets back to the house and shits and like, I mean, we get like the skirmish at the beginning ways in. Yeah. Then, um, we get a point, um, where we get Chekhov's bucket of bleach thrown in ken's face everything comes back up in this movie they like made a point where somebody like dropped a slice of pizza on the carpet they're like we really need to clean this up they spend a good five minutes on scenes of this just to set up this bucket of bleach hilarious yeah there's um (laughs) yeah there's a a a lot of fun to be had in this in this kind of third act here there's some until it's not fun that's what i was gonna say man is like there's there's he's throwing out one-liners and he's saying all that he says like is it something that i said so Mm -hmm. he's like throwing out jokes and everything and i'm like this is great we're having a fun time and then it divulges into this like really upsetting moment and i was just like oh man like it really just takes the wind out of my sails where i was like i was there with you like i was having fun too and it's like kind of the promise of this series and then it gets like very like it gets starkly serious and just like very uh you know upsetting and it's so annoying to hear that they were literally just like ah we'll just add something to pad the runtime it's like 
why don't you take back one of the lame kills that you did and add like a more fun kill, like a more like a, a cooler set piece? I know money and stuff, and it's a lot easier to have somebody just lay on the carpet and just like attack them. But it's just like, dear God, like it's yeah, it's no fun, no well, good. Yeah, that that scene, yeah, definitely does kind of <clears throat> it does put a damper on things because yeah, I was right there with you. I was I was typing out the lines he was saying. Yeah. Like he's he like totally flew off the handle. Yeah. Um, and I was like, yeah, I was, I was here for it. And then this scene, you know, not only for that, you know, cause this is where we start getting, you know, reveals because like, so when, what we saw is he has a shrine on wheels in a van. Yes. Uh, that's a first for me. Usually it's in a closet like that. We have a whole yeah. shrine on wheels and he's got a <laughs> lot of candles in there too. I was like, dude, of- that's a fire hazard. Like there's literally like dozens of candles in there that are, are lit when he walks in there. So, you know, those things are, are, are cooking as he's going along yeah. a shrine to his, which we haven't mentioned his yet. Uncle, his uncle, his uncle, Billy. probably gay uncle who killed himself. Like- so, so there, I remember I, I wrote it as a note for just in case if it was important. Cause I was like that, ha- that's too random to not come up later when, yeah. We cut to the cops. Yes. Um. When he when the cop calls him out for you know ignoring the calls. Yeah. There's something in the background that says it was like the anniversary of a cop that killed himself. Yeah. I I took a picture of the the newspaper article. Oh, I love that. That in makes movies. no sense. Love doing that in movies because <laughs> yes, I am a, a journalist myself and I love the, like reading art, newspaper articles and movies. If you ever get a chance to pause <laughs> one, read one because they're mostly nonsense. So uh, this was what was up on underneath where it says police officer commit suicide um it doesn't it mentions they took an article at least that had something to do with a cop but had nothing to do with a cop committing suicide yeah the former wife of ex uh this says ex padre it looks like i guess <laughs> talking about the baseball player went to jail for violating child something uh faces additional 126 day sentence uh for failing to let her daughters visit their father uh, the wife was booked into a, a institute for women in Los Angeles, served a five-day sentence um, on a count of contempt in court. She was found guilty of 43 counts, um, but the judge uh, suspended it on a three-day sentence. That's all That's all night. I'll just cheat this once after they're not perfect either. It's just a little white lie. I I won't read the rest of it. It makes zero sense. Yeah, yeah. And then you (laughs) have this moment between the two cops, which is Detective Davis and then Officer O'Reilly, which is a very Irish name. I'd love to see it. Uh, Also at an auto parts store. Um, But (laughs) uh, O-O-O-O'Reilly is uh, talking to uh, Detective Davis and he's talking about this cop that killed themselves. And uh, he says, like, he describes him as being the little he kind of does like a Matthew McConaughey thing there uh and that's I, exactly what I thought too yeah and I kind of was like okay so this cop killed themselves because he's gay so like I, I'm thinking of like okay well maybe if I'm gonna fill in the gaps it's like he was a gay cop and was maybe like harassed by the other cops and so like he I thought he was just to, saying that the cop was like out there like crazy I didn't I didn't know that was alluding to gay well and then but, the sequence later where Ken is like he he start he's he's attacked uh this this woman maria. yeah maria and he's like talking about that and then apparently there's like an extended cut or like deleted scene in this to where he further alludes to the fact that he like maybe was assaulted as a child
child. No, I, I totally so, picked that part yeah, up. That's yeah. what I picked up. I just I didn't think about the cop being like gay or anything. I was just like, oh, this guy was yeah. um uh sexually assaulted by his uncle, which I don't like as a motive. Yeah, because not, if you if you're gonna give a motive. I don't have a problem with them giving him up, just not that one. Because mm-hmm. I, the the standard thing of you know this series is that it's just semi uh, random. I want to pull out um, Megan Navarro, former guest of the show, mm-hmm. had an article on Blade Disgusting. Um, on regards to the reveal, uh, after she had mentioned that this uh, was originally a different movie, not Slum Party Massacre. This is likely why it's the only film in the trilogy to not reveal the identity of the killer until the end and give the killer an actual motive outside of being just a homicidal maniac. Granted, just what just uh, what that motive is remains a bit murky. A point is made to connect the killer to a character who died prior to the events of the narrative, but doesn't really explain how much of the character is connected to anyone in the main cast. They're just mentally unstable, okay? Slumber Party Massacre 3 also tries really hard to throw in red herrings, albeit red herrings that are so over the top that it's easy to scratch off the suspect list. So yeah, the the motivation and the um, mystery angle of it um, is very sticky. Yeah. What they could have, they could have made it so much simpler if they literally just, what if his uncle was Russ Thorne? Ooh. A cop that went crazy. Ah. And then, but before he went crazy, killed a bunch of teenage girls. Well, you had asked like what I thought of the girls in this movie, which made me think of like, uh, it's the second movie has kind of a leg up because it's a sequel or it's like a straight up sequel towards dealing with some of the similar characters and like similar ramifications for the first one. And this one is so disconnected that... It, it's funny that not only is it not able to disconnect like pretty easily to what it could be of the prior films, but it's not even able to like connect to itself to where it's like the motivations don't quite match up. So it's like, that's where I think it becomes evident that it's like this completely other movie yeah, that's trying to be melded with this. Yeah. Other thing. Cause I assume the, the sexual assault stuff is, was actually in the movie, yeah. you know, or in the script before it became a song party massacre movie. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that stuff was all right in there. And then, you know, but if they wanted to have an easier way of connecting it to the franchise and also like simplifying it, they could have there. They had other options. And I I just don't like the, um, you know, a victim of sexual abuses instantly to become a sexual abuser himself. Yeah. Not into that. Yeah. It's, um, you know, very it's very shallow. But obviously this came out in 1990. Yeah. Um, you know, but but even still, yeah, it, it definitely just like, yeah, turned the killer from like, oh, we are having fun now, finally, in this movie to up. Yeah. Oh, wait, what are we doing? Ew. Oh, yeah, OK. It, I don't it, like that. Because like, yeah, the, the things he was saying and like and, and it, what pissed me off, though, about the scene even more, because we also like saw, um, you know, glimpses of the girls like trying to work together, you know, yeah. they're, when they were trying to escape, they're trying to help each other out the window, yeah. um, all this stuff. And like, you know, they're, they're helping each other out and you're like, okay, like they're starting to, you know, come into their own as a group of final girls. Sure. And final um, gals, uh, a final, yeah. Final gals, final <laughs> click. Um, and, but then, so when Maria is getting sexually assaulted, I thought, you know, cause she's trying to like, obviously bait him into it so she can grab the drill or whatever. Yeah. While she's doing that, I was like, okay, one of the girls is going to come in and fucking 
fuck him up and like you know they're gonna like all gang up on him right then and there while he's distracted yeah no not really they cut to the kitchen and they are literally just standing there because at first i thought i go did they get knocked out or something and i missed it yeah and no they so they were literally just standing there watching and then after he kills maria um that's whenever they then spring into action yeah um so didn't like that that part either because like yeah not only made the motivations weird it changed the whole tone but then also kind of took away like you know uh you know the the girls were doing the right things and then yeah you know then that just happens i I think an interesting way that this movie could have uh distinguished itself which i think would be uh i'd be curious to see because this does these films however subtle you know subtly or then overtly uh have some like feminist undertones to them i would be curious to see like would you be interested in seeing this series have a female killer would you be interested in seeing that at all or do you think that's pretty intrinsic to the story Mm. that it's always a male killer Mm. because i think that that could be an interesting way to tackle this and there also is some like if you you can still have you don't have to like sacrifice those feminist uh undertones i think you can still have those with having a female killer I think that could be interesting. I'm not sure because the because the way that I kind of see it is like you know each killer, even even the driller killer from the second one aside, you know still being fantastical. The idea that you know that just the idea of men in general yeah. being scary, yes. you know, works for me. Yeah, um, you know the idea that they it's like oh it could be you know just a random guy off the street that has no connection to you or it can be the you know seemingly you know perfect Ken doll of a guy that is secretly crazy yeah. you know and like so it's like the idea that it's just like men are scary yeah. you know I like that um, not saying that it couldn't be done um, I could totally see a female killer in some capacity yeah um. I think if it was to approach it from more of like a metaphorical approach would be interesting because the second one, he is not like this straight up just maniac who breaks in and attacks a bunch of young women. He's like represents something. And I think if if this killer was to represent maybe an idea or a struggle that young women deal with, I don't think I uh, am the one to speak to that. But I think it it could be interesting and it could be a way to maybe distinguish like a, a future installment into this series uh, but I, yeah, I would be curious to see what like longtime diehard fans of this franchise would be because that is quite different, you know. Yeah, I, I would be intrigued to see how yeah the the diehard fans would react. One way I could see it working mm-hmm. is okay, make it make it a period piece in like the fifties or sixties, okay, and the killer be a mom and her being like, you know, she is because at this point that this was like the obsession of the nuclear family and like the, you know, traditional roles of a woman, you know, this was the height of, you know, women staying home and being mothers and being wives, you know? So it's like have, and then, but then like one, when she sees, you know, her, her daughter's friends are, these you know sexually promiscuous girls which would still fit into the theme of the franchise of you know women clashing of generations yeah Yeah. so interesting i could see it working that way. yeah this idea of like that 
as time goes on and generations evolve and new generations come along, ideals change. And you do have this nuclear family. No, be a proper young lady. And you're not going to talk about Mm -hmm. sex or have a dildo or, uh, you know, you're not going to have a diaphragm that you just talk about with your friends or drink beer and cheese whiz. You need to be a young lady. That's not what young ladies do. That could be really interesting. And you have this this actual battle between generations and trying to kind of kill the the past kind of ideology so you can move forward. I do think that that would be interesting and it would be, you could have that, that surprise of traditionally in these movies, you do have a male figure. And if you were to have more of a masked killer and somebody who wore gloves, so you couldn't tell what like their hands looked like, mm-hmm. you would be trying to kind of piece it together and say mm-hmm. like, Oh, maybe it is this, the, this boyfriend character, but actually no, it's this entirely different character. And also you could have parents in this movie, which would be like a complete first because that like, it's never, I think this is the first one where a parent character dead or not is like plays kind of a role in these movies. Cause usually it's not like at all. Like that's usually the appeal is like, oh, the kids are away and they're having their own little fun. I th- I think that could be interesting. Hmm. I think it I think it totally could. Um again, because like this movie has such a um, you know, very simple blueprint that I feel like they it, it has a lot of room to be malleable and kind of do different things. Yeah. And um, you know, who knows what we'll uh, get in this uh yeah. remake whenever well, we happen to that one. That's apparently. kind of the the interesting uh, to, you know, kind of tie this entire trilogy up I think that that's something that's interesting about this is you have these seeds of things and these seeds of of intrigue and deeper kind of ideas that are planted throughout each of these movies but I feel like unfortunately because of the time in which they were released and the producers and just kind of the audience sensibilities and what they thought audiences would be interested in at the time Mm -hmm. a lot of those things are really subdued in a way that also feels kind of nostalgic and they have to be like really super creative in ways that they address these issues like that would be like in the you know uh the pre-code er- or the, the code eras of like hollywood where they had to like you couldn't have couples sleeping in the same bed they had yeah. to sleep in two separate beds mm-hmm. and the, the way hollywood kind of was at that time it reminds me of that era to where that's like well if you want to talk about like female masturbation and like these things that women are actually interested in and these conversations that women have to have you can do that you have to be subtle in that but then you also have to show them naked and like having sex and you know all of these things so it's it's kind of an exchange for something that you you can do this but then you also get something else out so i'm very curious to see mm-hmm. how a model Modern approach to the series uh, will will come out and like what because you can more openly talk about some of these ideas. I'm very curious to see how they how they approach that angle. Yeah, it it is tough that you know you mentioned that with these movies, there kind of is this theme of like um of a give and take. You know, yeah. of like yes, you're getting to direct this movie, but like you know whether it be in the first movie. Um, or any of the movies in general, you know, you know, having being suggested to be like, okay, well, you're going to do you you can do this with this message, but then like, yeah, okay, then we need this many topless scenes. Yeah. You know, I wonder if, you know, the sexual assault scene was a producer note. It was. You know? Yeah. Oh, well, then there well, we go. I, because I well, mean, like, yeah, like, I mean, we have Maria just flopping around in yeah. just her underwear. I, I will say, like, I don't know if the note was you need to add a sexual assault scene or I, I know the note was more accurately. Mm-hmm. You need to pad the runtime. I don't know if it was like pad the runtime by doing this. I I know yeah. it was for sure pad the runtime. So I, I will 
try to be as, as fair as I can be. I don't know if that specifically was the note, but I know that that scene is the result of a note. So, yeah. Yeah. And, but yeah, the, in general though, with, um, you know, it, it, it would be nice yeah, to see to see what happens with a movie when it's like, yeah, they don't have to make, you know, any of these sacrifices to get to do what they yeah. want to do with it. Right. Um, but at the same time, in a not I mean, not in a good way, but like in a retrospective way, you know, does that kind of add something to this original trilogy, you know, that they kind of have this uh, spirit behind it of being like, you know, of persevering of making this movie against the odds you yeah. know at a time that yeah you know that you know so that that give and take you know i would have to say it would be a, a, at least if i were in that kind of situation would be like a motivator yeah i think this this entire series is really prime for like a modern day kind of approach here and i think this is a series that makes a lot of sense to me to bring back and you can have something to say and have that kind of, you know, elevated horror, so to speak, kind of perspective on it. But then you can also just deliver a lot of really fun kills. Because what have we seen in the past few years? Slasher movies are coming back and slasher movies are coming back in a big way, not only with Scream, but Halloween. And then the Fear Street trilogy is also kind of all, you know, a lot of different angles to them too. Mm -hmm. But those first two especially are slasher movies through and through. And so I think that this series, above a lot of others, like Nightmare on Elm Street or um, As Much As I Love It, Friday the 13th, I think this one I, I it makes the most sense to me coming back. And you also can have those ideas and those conversations of sexuality. And we talked about in the first movie that a lot of the nudity that happens in that movie, it kind of approaches it in a voyeuristic way to where maybe the the male characters are kind of audience surrogates to where it's like you're just watching these women live their lives and just shower and and, and change clothes mm-hmm. like it's not inherently sexual at all so the kind of desire to see that from a lot of horror fans seeing that the male characters you know peeping in through the window or something like that is kind of how the the audience maybe could feel in a way to where you want to see these things happen these things that aren't inherently sexual in any way but because the uh, horror fans can kind of have this sick twisted sense of uh, you need to have this in order for it to be a true slasher movie because of patterns that have happened in slashers. I think there's a lot of stuff here that could be really interesting. And I'm, I'm, you know, I know it was, it sounds weird to be like, they should bring this back. They, yeah, they, they did. They made a movie last year. Like I'm curious to see what they do. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, I, I think this entire setup and, and, and series as a whole is something that I think could really benefit from a, a facelift or two. I think it could be really interesting. Yeah, I'm I'm intrigued to see if uh, the next one, you know, is a entry point in for a series itself. Yeah. Um, you know, because we mentioned at the beginning that one thing that this does lack is, um, you know, that connection back to the first one. Yeah. But I guess it was like after the second one, considering it did the events of the first, second one even actually happen. Yeah. Um, where could they continue on? But um, but um, I would say that this this film even still um, adds into it that these movies did have something to say, you know, more than, um, you know, more than a lot of typical other slashers did. Totally. Yeah. And I feel like that is also, you know, what's being happening now, you know, with some of these slashers, like, yeah, we're still getting, you know, the, the Texas chainsaws where it's like, they're kind of trying to say something, but they are also being like, nah, this is still just a really fun slasher versus, yeah. Yeah, we can have, you know, a slasher like the more recent Scream that are, you know, 
trying to say a little bit more um, than just having fun. Totally. Um, but at the end of the day, though, a slumber party is about nothing but fun. Exactly. You know? Yeah. So I, I think you don't have to sacrifice one to have the other. You can still have that fun yes. sense of silliness and have those gory kills that we all like love to see. But as we've seen with this series, you can do that, but then you can also mention some things. I just think with time, you could maybe do it a bit more overtly and actually explore those things without being hindered by, well, you need to have at least this many boobs. Yes. You know? I, I, yeah. So definitely yes. of its time, but I, I would be thrilled to see what a modern kind of take on this series could be. Yeah, I would, um, yeah, definitely without having to, you know, sacrifice any of the, um, you know, uh, any integrity, but at the same time, like I would say, um, each film, you know, takes it in stride in their own different way Mm -hmm. of handling, um, you know, these kind of things that were asked of them to, you know, as their kind of monkey paw to make these films in general. But, um, you know, a, a, a nice a nice trilogy, you know, which um, it did also spawn um, some spinoff series as well. Yes. Um, we had the Sorority House Massacre trilogy that had three films and then um, the Cheerleader Massacre films. Um, there were two of those, um, but most of those were directed by men. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be curious to see how they approach some of those things and if they do it in a much more kind of conventional way even though a lot of these movies do kind of uh, adhere to a lot of horror conventions anyway uh but yeah it's it seems like a lot of these kind of spinoffs and 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 sequels or whatever you want to call them were just kind of like hey let's just get a bunch of young people in a confined space and just kill them one by one and show some nudity and have some drinking and then you know we'll make them for a couple hundred thousand and they'll make about a million dollars or so and then we'll make another one i'd be curious to see if they're just that or if there is maybe some something to be mined there like there is with these movies let's keep making them and and we are in the day now that it's like you know we don't need to um, have the um, producer obligatory things to make it happen. Yeah. As much as I love titties, I love snacks even more. And that's that's all I need, baby. Well, uh, if you've listened to Bloody Blunt Cinema Club before, you will know that we typically have a fun little game that we like to play around here called Movie Math. Uh, the way that it works is you're essentially going to take a couple of movies add them up together, multiply them together, whatever you want to do. Uh, The only requirement is that it has to equal the movie that we're talking about today. Uh, So Devon, you usually like to make it a little complicated, but I've seen that you have just took it to simple, simple edition here. So what are the two movies that you've um, added to equal Slumber Party Massacre Part 3? I mean, you know, it was getting kind of hard with the series now because the series is so bare bones. So there's only so many comparisons that you can mine from it. Yeah. Um, so it was a little bit tough. Um, so I chose a uh, new year's evil for one of them. Um, because, um, just kind of, um, cause new year's evil is a, um, slasher that kind of, it's an American slasher that like kind of has some Jallo esque vibes to it. Okay. Um, whether it be, um, a very similar mask, um, and like, um, wears, um, white or, um, I think his gloves are black, but you know, wearing the gloves, yeah. using a weapon, and um, but like the the unhinged performance that um the guy who uh, played Ken brings in this one, um, shout out to oh shout out to Britton Fry, um, for his um unhinged performance that kind of rivals um a similar vibe. I of, believe they call him Chips over there. <laughs> 
Uh, I see what you did there. Thank you, thank you. Um, and um, it's got to be my worst joke on the podcast this far. <laughs> it, it might be, it might be, but hey, we we gotta keep the dad jokes flowing. Um, and it it kind of has a similar vibe to uh, the performance that the titular killer New Year's Evil is doing. He is very just like so maniacal and has this like weird voice um, mm-hmm. that like Ken kind of switches to in this film. So it's kind of similar to that. And there's also um, some like um, sexual familiar trauma yeah. um, in the killer's backstory for that one. So you got yeah. that. And uh, my other one is a film that, um, because I was looking for some other Jalo examples. I have not seen this film, but based on the, the synopsis of uh, what, uh, have you done to Solange? Um, it kind of sounds like some similar vibes. Yeah. Um, there's um, some sexually driven um, murders happening at a women's academy um, amongst these group of girls. And it's a, kind of a mystery whodunit, um, Jalo um, thriller that I put on my list. I'm going to watch it now. But um, just by that description, kind of because again, I was like, I was like, I don't know, I'm kind of you. You had already picked sleep. No, don't spoil it. You already picked a pick. Then I was like, I'm out of. I, I got nothing <laughs> anymore. So that's uh, where I'm at. Haven't seen either of those. But uh, what have you done to Solange? Is also the name of uh, Jay Z's memoir. So, um, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I'll have to check both of those out. Those both sound uh, great. But yeah, you almost spoiled it, but I won't let you. Uh, the movie math that I have for this, I chose the first Slumber Party Massacre. <laughs> so if this movie wants to 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 cheat and steal a little bit, so can I. Yeah. Uh, so we've got the first one there for the obvious reasons and then the other one that i added here was a sleepaway camp uh, for a couple of reasons one you have the uh, ambiguity of the killer who is it you know you're trying to piece together this mystery uh the twist in this is not nearly as memorable as it is in that movie however it's still there nonetheless and then two sleepaway camp however problematic it is you do kind of have this uh uh, queer sexual kind of reveal in a, mm-hmm. in a way. Uh, I think that they both have some problematic kind of elements to them. Regardless, it's still there uh, as of, a, of its time as it is. So I think you take the elements uh, that I talked about with uh, Sleepaway Camp and then also just kind of the tropes that you would expect from a Slumber Party Massacre film. Uh, and it's all there in uh, Slumber Party Massacre Part 3. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yours works better. I'm. Um, I'm. Wish I would have thought about cheating in that way and just picking some party master. Well, you took Phantom of the Opera for can- Candyman, which is the answer. So I. I. I return the favor here. <laughs> True that. True that. Um. But yeah. So we have one more movie to discuss. I'm very intrigued to see how this very remake so, yes. turns out. Um. It kind of came out to. Um, little fanfare. A lot of people like I didn't know about it happening until like literally the month that it was released. I, I didn't was know like, it oh. happened at all until I joined this podcast. So <laughs> yeah, so um, we did get one. It was produced by Sci-Fi, um, and I think it was released through them too. So I think it was kind of one of those things. It had a weird distribution deal yeah. going on, but yeah. um, a lot of people seem to like it, and. Um, our uh, we'll have a guest on who also seems to like it quite a bit. Very so. excited. Yeah, my expectations are high because I think that the series deserves and could really benefit from like a modern retelling. So uh, my expectations are high. Hopefully it delivers. All I know is I saw on the poster that our killer is rocking that Canadian tuxedo. Ooh. 
Um, so, I've missed you. I've missed you. <laughs> that's that's what we got to look forward to. Maybe um, uh, when we record, I'll have to wear all my denim too. Yeah, know, have a denim, uh, our own little Denver part, uh, denim party. Yeah, we'll throw a <laughs> denim party. It'll be a good time. Um, but yeah, so that's what we got coming next week. Garrett, what are you uh, working on right now? Um, I have been doing a lot of uh, podcasting and YouTube stuff. Uh, as far as podcasts goes, I have another, which is a Star Wars podcast called Scum and Villainy. We've got a new episode this week, uh, two new episodes. We've got uh, just the typical news stuff and then also an Obi-Wan Kenobi trailer. If you're into that kind of thing, we broke that thing down. And then on the YouTube side of things, uh, which is just my name, Garrett McDowell, uh, I did a review for the Batman, and then I also put out a fun little video where I rank uh, all of the Batman, but grade them by kind of categories that you would associate with Batman. Detective, Bruce Wayne, gadgets, all that kind of stuff. That was a lot of fun to work on, so you can check those out there. Uh, but you can also find me on uh, Twitter and Letterboxd, just at Garrett McDowell, and I'm always watching and talking about movies over on uh, both of those respective platforms. Yeah, I um after I saw the Batman, did watch both uh, your review and oh. your overall Batman. Thank you, sir. And um yeah, it's a it was a tough one. I was going to do a whole spreadsheet myself, but I got lazy and did not. There you, um, go. you did put quite a lot of effort into it, so you Too guys much, definitely some might say. <laughs> you guys should definitely do it. Um and I will say um I think our results would end up being pretty similar. Yeah. I won't spoil the video. Go watch it, guys. Yeah, but I, I was, would say our results are kind of similar i'm gonna let a little bit of time pass and when nobody's uh looking at that uh excel sheet that i included in there with all of my data i'm gonna do a separate chart of the ranking the batman by attractiveness by bruce wayne alone and then batman alone because i think that that's the real test there that's what that's what i really care about who's I the mean, hottest batman <laughs> yes who's the hottest batman we already talked mouths you know it's yeah. um we're we're obsessed with the <laughs> batman um you can find me on twitter and instagram at underscore Dan Daddy Disco. You can hear me on the Pod and the Pendulum podcast here and there. I'm going to be talking Curse of Chucky on there here in a week or two. Um, I need to catch up with the later Chucky movies because I've I've done up to i've seen seed of chucky and everything back i haven't seen any of the new stuff so i, I gotta check that stuff out yeah chucky was the the first franchise we covered here on the podcast That's way exciting. back when and uh curse of chucky for the one that i'll be talking on pod and pendulum um curse of chucky is is actually i think my favorite chucky movie yeah um which is um i think it's a dark horse of the series um yeah, i'm a little jealous because chucky there's so much stuff to talk about with each of those movies there's a lot of stuff and talk about queer movies seed of chucky is like yeah. super like super queer super gay and then also like really uh you know really uh trailblazing in that way i would love to have joined you on that episode yeah well speaking of who joined on that episode so here you go. If you want to f- find out who's going to be on this uh, special episode that we've been talking about, they were the guest on, they were uh, the two guests when we talked about Seed of Chucky. Look at that. So go back and listen to the Seed of Chucky episode and see who those guests are. And that is who's going to be joining so us uh, here in a couple of weeks. A little bit of a treasure hunt there. You there the we go. <laughs> there we go. We got it all laid out nice for you. We didn't plan that, by the way. No, <laughs> did not plan that at all. That just happened. Um, and you can also find me on the Breaking Waves podcast on um, Beta Wave YouTube channel. We interview a creative artist out here in L.A., and it's a good time. Uh, it's not very spooky, but it is um, still a very good time nonetheless. 
But that will go ahead and do it for this week's episode of the Bloody Blunt Cinema Club. New episodes drop every Tuesday, so make sure you're subscribed and not miss an episode. You can find us on social media at Bloody Blunt's Pod on Twitter and Instagram. And until next time, guys, stay lifted. <laughs>